0: The last thing I would just say in terms of what do we see frequently is people don't have a vision for the future. Mm. They're pretty clear that there's steps they need to do, but once they try and get over there, they're like, uh, what's that place look like?
1: another episode of Live Your Truth Now. We have one of my most favorite people in the world with us today. She is my mentor, she is my colleague, she is my teacher, and she's my friend. And I am so excited to have this conversation with Christine Chopiak. This comes on the heels of our last episode announcing a recent pivot of Live Your Truth Now's focus, which is centering on entrepreneurs and leaders and businesses who want to more clearly define their narrative, their story for who they are and how their businesses operate. And so without further ado, here is Chris Chapiak. I'll give you a little bit of a bio and then we'll let her introduce herself. So Chris is working at the intersection of pictures and strategy. She has mastered the art of transforming businesses and organizations. Chris is the CEO and founder of Arlo Soul Visualize Innovation She's also a brilliant business strategist, facilitator, and strategic illustrator, and you'll learn more about what strategic illustration is because it blew my mind two and a half years ago when I first started working for her. Chris uses business's expertise, knowledge, and insights, combining that skilled facilitation, her powerful question-asking ability, and that strategic illustration to elicit clear direction and accelerate strategy implementation in organizations. Chris is also the author of Picture Your Business Strategy, and she's a renowned speaker. You'll hear later in our interview today that Chris will announce an exciting new project she's working on, an online course, to help individuals that are having a challenge getting their voices heard in organizations and help them communicate their messages more clearly. Before we dive in, we want to announce that we have a sponsor, and that is Arlesol. So it is a true honor that we get to have this conversation with Chris ArlaSoul is a strategy consulting firm that gives people the courage to be creative, inspired, and take action in business. ArlaSoul helps teams and leaders execute clearly defined and meaningful goals with confidence. Figure out how you do this today with your business by visiting ArlaSoul.com. That's A-R-L-O-S-O-U-L.com. So without further ado, Chris, welcome to our interview. So good to have you. Here we go. (laughs) Awesome to be here.
0: (laughs) That was
2: was
0: good though, Katie. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you hear that back. You know, you're like, okay, I can trim that down.
1: (laughs) Well, we have uh we had Renee on our one an earlier podcast. It's a mutual friend Mm -hmm. of all of ours, and I asked Renee to send me a short bio and she sent me a page ouch <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that was huge renee you are amazing and that's not your short bio <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah thank you mike and katie it's so awesome to be on Live your truth now i can't yeah. wait i'm super I excited and a little nervous
2: no don't be nervous well
0: i get nervous sometimes
1: <laughs> for these conversations because you never know where they're gonna go
2: Yeah, you really don't. And and Chris, I got to tell you, we're so honored to have you here. You're such an an amazing person, really just somebody that I've gotten to know through Bunker Labs. And that's where I met my co host, Katie, obviously. And one of the things that I actually want to want to kind of dive into specifically just with your work is that you did this, uh, God, what do you call it? The drawing. Like what there's a, what's the name strategic to it?
1: Illustration. St- strategic illustration. Strategic <laughs> illustration. Okay. I did not listen so, to my introduction. <laughs> yes, I
2: did not listen to the introduction. No, but, but with strategic <laughs> illustration specifically, I had never had that done before. And I can just guarantee you that most of our listeners probably have no freaking clue what that is either. So I remember, and I'll never forget this. I remember I was like sitting down and you're like, okay, Mike, we're going to draw your business. And I'm like, cool. And there was this huge piece of white paper and you just started drawing. Well, first of all, you're an incredible illustrator. I was like thoroughly oh. impressed. I thought it was going to be like stick figures and shit. I thought you were like, here's Mike. And like put a little top hat on him. And then it's like walking over here to your business. <laughs> but what I found out was, is I actually had this image of a canyon and there was a mm-hmm. gap in between. Mm-hmm. You were saying, this is where you are now. And this is where you're over here. So I want to, I want to basically kick off this whole conversation centered around drawing. So why do you choose specifically illustration when it comes to evaluating people's businesses as opposed to doing PowerPoint slides or, you know, like the clicker, (laughs) you know, the summer vacation type of stuff. Is it because you're good at drawing? Is it because you're good at drawing and you figure that's it? Or what's the reason?
0: (laughs) No, you know, part of the reason that I, I use drawing and that I started using drawing is because, first of all, when I first encountered people drawing for business, it blew my mind. I thought, wow, all the strategy stuff I love. So I like those, you know, battle tested tools in business like a SWOT analysis and yeah. environmental scan. And I thought how much better would it be if we expanded the flip chart to like the size of a room and people could see that come alive. Now this practice did not start with me started with a bunch of other really creative people in the 70s. So this whole field called graphic recording or graphic facilitation has really not been around that long. However, if you look at how humans have communicated over time, let's go back to the cave dwellings and the pictures that we have in caves. So humans have been using illustration for uh, probably since the beginning of our our cognitive brain development Mm -hmm. to actually get ideas across, and to make it more memorable. So, for example, in the cave dwelling, you have buffalo, you know, going across the rock, and then you see a couple of guys who are, have arrows. And that is some kind of historic artifact that lets people in that tribe know. It It, it says things we can't—we don't even know, like what time of year, how many guys or women or people it took to hunt those buffalo and this is the same thing in business. So, I was just recently working on a friend's business and as you pictured as he he was he and his colleague were describing it and as they started talking about some of the challenges in this case in assisted living and what how they're positioning their business once you start once I started drawing the conversation totally shifted because the illustration helps you see things you can't see when we just do this when we just talk with each other, so yeah. Mike, I remember your map too, and there were some <laughs> things that really blew you away. You were like, "Whoa!" Oh yeah, I, yeah, I never saw that before. That's that's why I do it. It's fun. It's engaging. It uses both sides of your brain. You get to the end result faster, and the stuff that really matters pops up in a way that is really transformative.
2: Now, now with with the drawing specifically, not everybody learns visually. So there's, right. there's auditory learners, uh, kinetic learners, I believe it's what it's called yeah. And then you have your visual learners. So if yeah. I'm not a visual learner and you're like, okay, we're going to draw this is, right. do you still believe that the strategic illustration piece or what you called graphic recording process, right? Mm-hmm. Do you really think that that's still effective? And if so, how do you compensate for those people that may not be very strong visual learners and their learners right. in other areas such as auditory and the kinetic way?
0: Right. So the images that we use, um, we don't use just straight imagery or cartooning or, or little icons. We have to ground that in words and in language. And we do that because that's, we're adults. <laughs> Most of the people I work with, I mean, I'd like mm-hmm. to think they're adults, but, you know, we're a little bit older. And so we process things, as sort of language first, picture second. Working with kids is a whole other story we could talk about a little bit later. But I I've worked with doctors. I've worked with engineers. Mm. I've worked with lawyers who are like, no, 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 like not for me. And so the way I get around that is I just say, okay, that's fine. This is how I track our conversation and make sure we stay on task. So if you'll indulge me a little bit, then let me and people. So this is why I love this podcast is about narrative design and storytelling. People love, telling stories. Like we connect human to human with stories. And I've I've heard both of you say this like over and over again. And when I get to visualize my story, people who even are self-professed introverts, they can't be quiet. They're like, oh, and there, there was another thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it just is <clears throat> that your whole life starts coming alive. And you, in the moment, you're able to do some metacognitive Magic, you know, magicness. Um, yeah. Looking at that visual to understand what really matters to you.
2: And how much do colors matter for you when it comes to these illustrations?
0: Yeah, they they matter a lot to me. Uh, for some people, they may not matter at all. But I had an opportunity to work with a a woman. Some might call her a guru, but definitely a mystical woman. I wasn't really sure why I was at this workshop until she did a ninety minute session on the alchemy of color and Mm -hmm. it has transformed how I see color. So color is very important. It plays a big role.
1: Yeah. And Chris, the one thing I've learned from you, well, one of the million things I've learned from you is color as an organizing principle. So when we have these four by eight foot roadmaps, and it gets really crowded with words and images, um, you use color a lot to be able to identify, like, where are you in the journey? And what are the things that go together? What are similar, like, what are similar elements of strategies and tactics that should be grouped together? And so i learned a lot about color through you. Yeah. Um, And another bit about brain science, y'all. We, (laughs) we think visually 90% of the information that we get is that is transmitted into our brains is visual. And we process images 60,000 times faster than text. So yes, an image is worth worth 60,000 words. So try that on for size.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, also, I mean, just to build on what you just said, Katie, language is a higher cognitive function. So when we're little and we're trying to make meaning of the world around us, we start with color and image. And so, Mike, going back to those resistors that people say, oh, you know, I'm not a visual learner. Actually, we all are because we, that's how we started. We started pairing color with shapes to be able to capture a, a thing And then we had a parent or somebody close to us say, you know, something looks like this that's red is a ball, like so red ball. And that's how we start making those connections. But that doesn't happen until we're three and a half, four years old.
1: That's brilliant. So speaking of like going back and learning how things are created, I would love to learn the story or I would love for you to share the story of Arlesol,
0: the name, what the company stands for and what Arlesol does exactly. Okay. Yeah. So back in 2014, after I had rolled down another business, I was a part of a small team of us got together and we were trying to find a new name and everybody out there. This is a very typical entrepreneurial challenge. (laughs) What are we going to be called? And what is our website? You know, What's the website going to be? And can we get .com or .net? And so actually it was pretty fun. I was working with two people and I had to go out of the country for a work assignment for about 10 days. And I said, look, here here are my requirements. I would like it to be at the beginning of the alphabet and I want to have .com. Outside of that, um, and oh, another criteria was there is, so Mike, we were talking earlier about the magic. Like there is some mystery that happens when we put our thinking and our thoughts in our business on paper, and we see it come alive yeah. and we embellish it with art. I was like, there is, there are mystical people around the world, and I said, so I want that connection. Like I want it to be grounded in that kind of alchemy, that kind of um, mysticism. And so I left, and I came back, and these two folks they were so excited. They had two names, and uh, we spent some time looking at Arlo Soul. So Arlo Soul the actual uh, word itself is welsh and it's the welsh word for innovation it's spelled a r l o s o l e in welsh but i did check this with a couple of friends in wales and they totally gave it their thumbs up and we one of the big pivots i did in my business was embracing design thinking Uh, principles of innovation and um, agile design as part of strategy. And so that kind of gets into, so what does Arlissol do? So we use really skilled facilitation, combine it with drawing, and then not only those, I said, battle-tested business tools like strategic planning, balanced scorecard, environmental scans, but we also take Principles of design thinking, agile development. Story, uh, Katie does a whole thing on storyboarding for my company to help people understand where they want to go, why they want to go there. Like, why is that the big differentiator? Why is that the good business decision? And then how to get there.
2: And uh, Chris, you said something I really wanted to touch on specifically, which is I, I, I'm thinking about strategic thinking. Entrepreneurs in business, and one of the things that I really, I really want to dive into this because I, I think in the theme of this show and this pivot that Katie and myself have, have gone into, both being entrepreneurs, it it is inevitable that you're going to make a mistake in your business. It is inevitable at some point you're going to make multiple mistakes, and if you're any good at your business, you're just going to screw up all the time. And the question is, is like, are you just really going to be able to learn from it and overcome that? And entrepreneurs as a whole, you have worked with probably hundreds of businesses you have been Mm -hmm. in the game for quite some time seeing what works and what doesn't work you Mm -hmm. have probably drawn more illustrations than uh the the collective of children's books that exist in the world a question for you that i have is when you're doing these drawings and you're going through the illustrations you're saying here's where you are if we were to take my business and using the the imagery of a canyon as the separation of this is where you are, there's no bridge over here, Mike, you got to like figure out how to get your ass over there and then come to the other side. What do you, what are some of the most common things that you see if we were to use this canon that are kind of like, that keep entrepreneurs from crossing that bridge, the proverbial yeah. bridge, so to speak? Yeah,
0: I think one of the things I see is people, entrepreneurs are way too close to their business in the current state, so in that today, yeah. in that place of today, so when we say okay, we're going to go in and we're going to do a little micro assessment or micro look at your business, people are too close to it. So when we mm. kind of poke at that and say, is that really how communication happens? Is that really your um, how quickly you can convert potential business lead into a paying customer? Does that really happen? Entrepreneurs get pretty defensive. Right, because it's like, hey, man, I exactly like I know Mm -hmm. I know my business, and so I think that one of the things we try and do in that situation is we really just try and create as complete a picture about what's happening in their business today. Because once we do that, so one, I I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and we were talking about distraction, how people get so easily distracted, especially new people who are starting their business for the first time or serial entrepreneurs, where it's like, oh, that thing that I need to pay attention to is right around the corner. And yeah, Katie, like, that was great. She just pointed to herself and said, yeah, like, me too. Balls everywhere, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I still do too. And so I think the thing is, is that when I can, and we still do this as a practice in my business every six months. So when we can see all those distractions and all these things that are happening in the business from different people's perspectives, right? That's a, the other thing that's super cool about this, whether you're a, a solo entrepreneur, um, you can do this with clients, with customers. Mm-hmm. You start seeing what other people see in your business, and that is where the gaps start emerging, right? And then the last thing I would just say in terms of what do we see frequently is people don't have a vision for the future. Mm-hmm. So if I need to get over
2: they're That's pretty good.
0: clear that there's steps they need to do. But once they try and get over there, they're like, uh, what's that place look like?
2: <laughs> do you ever think that, or I should, I, let me actually rephrase this. So if we go through the, the these common things that you're finding in, the, in your, the history of your drawings, what's happening in their business? I wrote this down. And one of the things I came into is like the current state of being too involved. And when you said that, I was thinking like, man, I myself included, like I I wouldn't say I'm guilty of it. I would just say like, it's just part of who I am. Like this thing's like my child and entrepreneurs treat their business like their children. They really do. Whether you have them or not, they are treating like you, they're a child. They started out as nothing and then they just grow and evolve and change. Now, when someone gets a little bit emotional with their business, how do you handle maybe having them see the forest through the trees, which Katie knows is like one of my favorite things to say. I say this, I say that freaking saying like all the time, but it's more about how do you get an entrepreneur to take a step back and say, listen, you might be super involved in the business. I really need you to see from this lens, what I drew for you. This is not something I I didn't make this shit up. I'm like, this is what you told me. I drawing this out. So, how, what are some of the tactics and maybe the, the the tricks that you use? I don't want to say tricks. Maybe tools is a better word. Yeah. To really to really get the entrepreneur to sit back and say, "You're right, Chris. I'm being a little bit too emotional to the outcomes of this. I should be thinking about things this way."
0: Well, so Mike, you uh, tapped into one of them. Is you just invite people to take a step back and tell me what you're seeing, and they'll say, "Well, that's my business," or "Yeah, I got a lot of shit going on," or yeah, I'll make that target like in six months. So then I'll invite them to take an even an additional step back. Okay. If we take a a step back together, so I want to be in it with them, right? I don't want to, especially if we use the analogy of a baby and I don't want to call your baby ugly, right? I'm going to sit there, hold your baby with you, take a step back and ask it again. And this is one of the things I love about working with Katie is, you know, employing the five whys. So that's a very specific tool where you can say why five times. So why is it that way? So that's that's one strategy. Another one that I love is that we employed actually with several of the veterans we worked with in Colorado is what are the things that you're doing to take care of yourself? Okay, if this is your business pulling you outside of your business, how are you fueling yourself? to be able to, to move forward. So those are a couple of ideas or ways that you can help get people to take a step back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would also say like, just like the, the mere fact that visually your business is captured on a piece of paper provides that sort of like third person or third party perspective of being able to see objectively, like, what does your world look like as a business? What does your world look like as an entrepreneur? And so, Chris and I do a lot of work about a lot of work with entrepreneurs to help them work on their business and get them out of the business. Because that is like a classic syndrome, right? That most of us have experienced is just like it's the addiction to pushing your business forward, being in it is so strong. And it almost seems counterintuitive to take a step back to really look objectively
0: because time is of the essence, right? Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that the conditions. No, the conditions for success, that is, um, so inviting people to explore, okay, if this is your business, you're trying to decide where you want to go, where do you put limited time, energy, and resources, your limited time, energy, and resources, and we invite people to ask about and explore. Just get curious about what are the conditions for success. Almost always, Mike, (laughs) it always pulls people out of it because they're like, I don't know. Oh, okay, let's go there.
2: Yeah. Or they don't realize that. And especially with the self-care thing. And I know Katie's got a great question for this, but one thing I really wanted to ask you about with the self-care piece and Katie, if I'd steal your question, my bad, but (laughs) no, but the question I had is, is that you mentioned that, you know, the, the care, the self-care of entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are notorious, including myself, and I've gotten a lot better at this over the last couple of years of neglecting ourselves before the business. So we're kind of like, Nope, I gotta work fourteen hours to grind to this thing. Some people really like doing that shit. And I don't and I don't blame them. Like there are some people who are You know, who love working and they work all the time. I mean, my dad is my dad literally, I think, works every single day. He's been doing it for 40 years. Now, that doesn't mean he's slaving away, but like that's what he likes doing. But he also gets to do whatever he wants. On the flip side of that, I have a friend who told me that if you're not if you're any good at being an entrepreneur, you don't work more than 30 hours a week. Because what you really have is a process and systems in place. So I say that to bring up this topic of self-care. When you are doing these discoveries and when you are doing these illustrations or these sit-downs, so to speak, and I'm going to use the, the in, you know the mafia term, sit-down. But when you're doing these sit-downs with these entrepreneurs, when you bring up the self-care piece, what are some of these responses that you get? Are they kind of looking at you like, what are you talking about? What do you mean go and, and like you know, take a rest day or, or like, what do you mean? Like what's, what's the vitals, I guess the vital signs that you're getting in their business and what's the reaction to that when you ask them?
0: Well, I'll, I'll say the first thing. And then I'd love for Katie to also chime in here. Cause she's done a lot of this work too. People start crying. Like they get real, All they get the time.
2: <laughs> yeah. That doesn't surprise me.
0: They get really, really emotional. And it's almost like, um, this sounds kind of harsh, but it was like, we took your heart out. We put it on a beautiful piece of paper. We made it gorgeous. Then we showed it back to you. And you're like, fuck, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, like that's what I love. That's the business I love. And I realized the toll it's taking on me. And that's, it really, uh, COVID has exposed that for me more than any other time in my profession. And I've been an entrepreneur for almost 20 years. And like you, Mike, and probably more like your dad, there probably isn't a day that doesn't go by. I don't think about work or kind of working in the business, like Katie was talking yep. about earlier. And so, as I've done better self care practices this year, and with the support of Katie and the team at Arlesol to work on the business, that it's, I can see how an entrepreneur could put in 30 hours a week. I was like, that's pretty sweet. I think I'm going for that goal.
2: Yeah, that's a great goal to have. Now, in addition to the work-life integration piece for yourself, maybe, or what you've seen with entrepreneurs, let's say an entrepreneur, and I'm going to create a hypothetical situation. Let's say an entrepreneur comes to you and says, all right, Chris, fair. All right, I'm thinking too much about my business or I'm like burning myself out. And how do I balance or achieve some sort of equality within my business where I can still be effective? You've shown me all of this stuff. You see like my heart is a complete mess after you like propped it up and make it look pretty. And then I'm like, oh my God, like, look at this shit. It looks like it's terrible. What are some of your principles on work-life integration, maybe for entrepreneurs specifically? Can you speak to that a little bit about how can an entrepreneur find equality or, or achieve that a level of balance and still be effective in their business?
0: Right. And there's two things that are critical that pop up as I'm listening to you, Mike. The first one is that you have to understand what you're good at. You have to know what your strengths are. And if you don't, take the Gallup Strengths Finder and begin there. Because once you know what you're good at, then you can do the second thing, which is surround yourself with people who are better at things you're not so great at. And so I think like this whole idea as an entrepreneur, it's go it alone and you can do it. And like those days are over, over, completely gone. You want to grow your business. You want to sell your business. You want to be acquired. It takes a village of people, not just boards, not just investors, but you need need lawyers. You need good friends to give you soul to soul advice and tell you when to sell and when not to sell. And if you are ambitious, And you want to, you want to go that pattern. You need to understand what you do really well. And even though I have some problems with the entrepreneurial operating system and Gina Wickman, he, that he's a huge advocate of understand what you do and do it really well and keep doing it. And then surround yourself with people who are better, better at you at a lot of things.
1: I completely agree. One thing I'd like to add is that like through being an entrepreneur and through working with a lot of entrepreneurs, there is a huge stick or an ego that is always in our ear telling us that we have to do everything by ourselves. It's like mm-hmm. if you want to be good enough, you can do it all. And so, Chris, something I've learned from you is like the power of delegation. Like really lean into your strengths. And like, thanks to you, I know my strengths from Gallup Strengths Finders and things like that. Um, but like Shifting more into an abundant mindset, not a scarcity mindset and, and leaning into support, which heals a lot of an, of another sort of issue that we see all the time, which is loneliness. Like it's lonely to be an entrepreneur. And that's the thing that I've seen a lot doing these breakthrough 2021s that get the visual gap analysis that Mike has been talking about is that I used to say this is a business process. Like Chris, and Chris would laugh because I'm like, this is about your business. And I was thinking that I was being all businessy. And then Chris was like, Katie, you literally cannot help but delve into the personal. So then I started saying this is a personal and professional process mm-hmm. because as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you're human in business. And that, like, in, like, inevitably I would make people cry because it is so hard to run a business and make it survive and, and, and really have to shoulder all the burden and the stress on your own. So Chris, I'm so curious, like with all those 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur and additional experience working in businesses, what are like your top two to three lessons that you've learned beyond maybe let's say self-care and surrounding yourself with the right people? Like, what do you wish you knew back then?
0: Side hustle. Side hustle, side hustle. You need, as an entrepreneur, so Mike, to your point about like, am I gonna succeed or am I gonna fail? Like how many Mm -hmm. times am I gonna fail a week, a month? All of that. Mm -hmm. You need a couple of side hustles for two reasons. First of all, the marketplace is changing all the time. And so if you don't have something that you can fall back on, you can put all of your energy and focus into one thing. And all of a sudden the marketplace shifts and changes. You didn't see it coming. You're not ready for it. And it becomes really difficult to make the change. That's the first thing. And I think that takes good thinking partnership, friends and colleagues who are willing to be 100% brutally honest with you and then asking for help. And that honestly if somebody told me get better at asking for help 20 years ago i i would have taken a course <laughs> i would have figured out a way to get better at asking for help mm. this is so hard
2: yeah it is it is and it's and i think even just with help in general like it's not even entrepreneurs it's just people we right. love doing shit on our own and taking That's the glory a for it. Belief. Right, <laughs> exactly. If you need
1: more insight into that, we have a whole entire episode. So check it out.
2: Yeah, episodes. We have episodes yeah, we have on it. We have e- yeah.
1: That's how much it just sinks.
2: Yeah, it is. And then when you talk about help also, you know, people love doing shit by themselves and they love taking credit for it. And they love thinking that like, it was their idea. They lifted, they took the entire, you know, they shouldered the load. They carry it from point A to point B. They dropped it off. They saved all this, you know, the starving children in the villages. Like I'm the hero of the day.
1: Also a limiting belief.
2: Also (laughs) a limiting (laughs) belief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. And so there's this hero moniker that a lot of entrepreneurs try to play as well. And one thing that I wanted to talk about before we move on to this final segment of the interview and in talking about organizations and which I think is such a fascinating thing. We were talking about this before, but before I get into that, diving into a little bit more about the, the asking for help piece, I think I, I I theorize that it's not that entrepreneurs don't like asking for help, even though there's like maybe this hero hero moniker in play. It's they don't know how to champion themselves into a position of saying, who do I actually ask for help? How do I ask them for help? What does it really mean, like specifically with entrepreneurs that have investment? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times investors, when they come on to the companies, it's not just like, here's capital and like, go do your stuff. Some investors operate like that, but also with investors specifically, like they're supposed to bring value to you as like, I'm going to open doors for you. I'm going to get, you see it on Shark Tank all the time. They say, I'm going to give you a quarter million dollars and then we're going to get you to the big box retailers because I think this thing can be a huge hit. So with that being said, how do you think entrepreneurs can make themselves champions of asking for help?
0: So I think you learn how to draw and that sounds so incongruous, but it takes us back right to the very beginning Yeah, it, and stick figures are good enough because if you look at some of those businesses on shark tank, where the, where the business owners actually bring out a flip chart and they start drawing their thing, even though it could be super rudimentary or there's some kind of visuals and also a prop, what that does is in the human psyche, It takes the focus off of you as the individual, right? So it's Mm. not me being weak and you having something I need. It's about us being in a connection together because we're both human. So it decreases that anxiety of that I'm the failure. And it allows people to step into the story you are creating, right? Mm. So if I want somebody to invest in my business and I have the courage to actually draw it and say, here's my, here's my key value proposition. These are the kind of customers I'm attracting. Here's the kind of market share I already have. Here's what I think I can go after. You know, you put a big bullseye in the middle and you say, I need 2 million in investment. And that, here's what the equity stake looks like. Not only are people going to say, wow, you know, that Katie D'Andrea, she is sharp. Like she knows her stuff in her pitch, but they're also going to say, I can see myself in that. Or they're going to say, no, I
2: can't. Like,
0: no, no, that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't hold up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 100%.
1: And I think learning about drawing and the power of drawing to evoke the feeling of empathy has been one of the like most game-changing distinctions of at least my past two years. Chris, I'm curious, as we start to wrap this up, what are, hmm, so given the year of COVID and we had some really high highs, we had some lulls. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you're most proud of of, uh, of the past year? You could just be, and it could be
0: personally or professionally. Well, one thing I'm most proud of, Katie, is you and I did not miss a beat. And as lockdown started happening, we totally dove in and said, we're going to do a webinar on facilitation. And how do you facilitate online? Because we had an experiment with an Australian company that Went really well, so we thought we knew a lot about online facilitation, which it turns out we do. And then the second piece of that was uh, we did platforms. So we said, "What are all the cool platforms out there that you could use, and um, what are you know what's the best use of them?" I think the reason I'm most proud of of that pivot within the first two weeks of lockdown, we did that. First of all, we had over a hundred people attend, so that was amazing. Um, the second thing was that it was a real validation of this side hustle, like this pivot and being able to gain just a little bit more confidence, even though all the business dropped out, you know, March, April, May of last year, we were able to start positioning our work differently and really stretching our own abilities to, uh, to be able to deliver what we want to deliver with our clients in, in new ways.
1: Yeah and that brings me right back to where we, when we were in your backyard doing our first strategic planning session for Arla Soul and doing our 5 whys and figuring out like what is it that we really really care about for Arla Soul like what is it that makes us show up to work fully and it's helping people experience the power of their own contribution and so having that north star i know that's been instrumental to me in terms of like the opportunities that i seek out being able to pivot and do those online courses because in reality, we're just enabling people to grow into their own possibility so that they can show right. up and make their mark.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, so oh, go ahead, Katie. You got more.
1: I always have more. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I literally have worked with this woman for, I don't know, 365 times, yeah. two times, 700, uh, 700, and I can't do my <laughs> math right now, 50 days, no, more than that, two and a half years, whatever. I can't do math. Chris and I never run out of things to talk about. And I am like constantly in awe of like how wise and knowledgeable you mm, are about strategy. Like you constantly freaking blow my mind. And I'm just like. This woman is magic. And so when we point people to our website, I'm like, that's a bad description. Just talk to Chris. <laughs> because there is an element of battle-tested business tools. So this, like very serious business acumen. These different systems and structures and these processes that we have, the graphic facilitation, but there's magic. And mm. um, maybe it's the clients that we attract that are superhuman. Like that's the thing I love about Arlo Soul is that our clients are fully human to us. And we treat them as such. But yeah, Chris, you are, you are,
0: you are a wizard. With business yeah well, I and I, agree. I, well thank you both and i would just say that you know our three values are creativity courage and intelligence and when i when i'm looking for my north star or when we have a client that approaches us and says you know things are kind of on the fence and they really don't know if it's worth it for them i totally invoke those three things like are you looking for an intelligent solution do you have the courage to enact this and do you want to be creative? Because if those three things don't work for you, there are so many other consultants, go find them. You know, mm. like this is the, the best yeah. work we do are when those three things are really present and we want to see you grow your business.
2: And and Chris, I, I have to tell you, this is such a perfect segue for us to get into the final segment of the show and also the special announcement that you have, which we're we're really excited for you. This is so cool. But before you make that announcement, you were talking about organizations. And before the show, I was asking you specifically with organizations, big and small, you have probably have seen it all. And I didn't mean to rhyme right there. But the (laughs) point of me me saying that is something that's notorious in organizations across the board is communication it's really about making sure everybody's heard equally it's really about making sure that people are understood whether you have 10 people on a team or you got 25,000 employees somehow some way and i and and to this day it's baffling to me and i and i say mm-hmm. that with the utmost like i have no freaking clue how this happens the same piece of information that comes from the top somehow always gets misconstrued all the way to the bottom to the actual employees, the team members that need to enact or execute the strategy that comes from the, the suits, so to speak. We'll just call them right. the suits. So in your experience, why does this continue to keep happening from an organization level? Like why is there a breakdown in communication? Why is there a breakdown in like this huge game of telephone, so to speak?
0: yeah no, I and I'm glad you see that at the beginning because in the back of my mind, I've been sort of working on that. Uh, I really think it's two things um, complete lack of trust and I know that is gonna blow some leaders' minds, but guess what yeah. people your people don't trust you and I don't care how big or small they are because something you've made some decision it happens to me like Katie and I frequently, have a touching base that are real heartfelt, soul-to-soul conversations where it wasn't intentional. It's just that a gap has appeared in our day-to-day relationship. We need to reconnect. And that is trust building. Like I don't think leaders do enough trust building. And so when they try and communicate something that's super important and it touches everybody's lives, guess what the second thing is? I didn't get to contribute, right? So if you're going to screw around with my role or my job or my work or my value or our value proposition, and you're going to go away in now in your own home and not talk to anybody, then it's it's not about being heard. It's about being able to contribute.
2: Does the skepticism of that trust happen before and people start at a workplace? Like, where does the mistrust come in? Is this is this like I walk into a company and I'm like I don't trust it? Anybody in here? So, like, that's we're already at a deficit. Or is that something that, you know, over time, leaders just, you know, again and again are not enacting or executing on the things that they said they were going to deliver?
0: I think you can smell it when you mm. come into an organization. And if you can't smell it, then give it a week. And if you have side conversations, even during COVID, if you have side conversations, an off color comment, Something that somebody, I think mm. you can really smell it. And if you don't smell it, then what you will smell is truth. As people will say, so uh, we're working with a client right now, we're doing a bunch of interviews, and the full transparency of both the board and the leadership in terms of being able to grow this enterprise is so clear. And everybody that I've talked to, at least in our discovery process, they're really complimentary. They, they, they're like, nothing is ever a surprise. You hear that Mm. kind of language. That is where you don't smell it. And frankly, leaders have to do that work every single day. Like if you're not working on this every single day, your communications are going to suck.
1: Yeah. This makes me think that we should do a whole episode on culture. Like Chris and I do a lot of culture. (laughs) Yeah. Thinking about our conversation yesterday with Harry and Carol McCord in the four R's of culture, right? Rules, roles, rituals, and roots. Culture is a thing that is so hard to get right, right? Yeah. Um, And it's so easy to get wrong. And like culture is pervasive. It's why people leave and join organizations. It's what inspires people to show up fully or really makes them shut down because there's a lack of trust. And it's also the thing that I kept thinking about, Chris, when you were saying lack of trust is like. Most organizations don't listen, right? Like, just as the information flows down, how does it flow back up? What are the systems and structures in place that allow people to be able to show up as fully human and have their voice heard? Yeah. So, we should definitely do an episode on culture.
2: Yeah. I agree. Here, here. Yeah. And it's speaking of another episode, before we wrap this up, and Chris, you, you've been so wonderful, you have a solution. To all of these problems that <laughs> we've been talking about. Through the, always has a solution. The wizard uh, of solutions. <laughs> yeah. So I would love for you to just take the time to announce not only as, a, as our sponsor and a partner of ours. We're so grateful to have you on here. But... All of these problems, we're talking about top down, mistrust, betrayal. I, I got it. I sound like a grocery store romance novel. But, you know, <laughs> at, at, at this point, you know, But at this point, it, I would love for you to tell the audience and, and tell people who are stumble upon this episode and who listen exactly what your solution is and what this special announcement that you have.
0: Yeah so thank you so much Mike and I would say you know I am I like lots of solutions that's the, my problem with distraction right? right so one of the problems one of the p- big pain points I've heard especially from younger people but this is not just a millennial situation this is you know people who are who are older coming to the end of their careers it's like how do i get heard like how can I really stand out from from my peers and really make my mark on the company, really mm. provide the value that I believe I'm providing. And so my big announcement is an online course called Make Your Mark. Love so it. what Make Your Mark, yeah, what Make Your Mark is gonna do is it's gonna provide you with some basic drawing skills. And then I'm gonna be sharing over 20 years of strategy uh, uh, tools, skills, and secret sauce. That when you combine those things, help you stand out. And here's one thing I would like to leave all your listeners and Katie and Mike with you as why this is so important. Whoever has the marker on screen or in the room controls the conversation. They control the story. So 100%. I want to skill. I want to skill people up to control the story and the narrative and gain the confidence to stand up and uh, provide value. And demonstrate a level of confidence that leaders in organizations, that's the other pain point, like people aren't stepping up, they're not stepping in, I don't, I didn't know that they wanted to take on a new project. And so it's like, how do we marry those two things? I don't get heard. I don't see people stepping up, make your mark is going to do that for folks.
2: That's absolutely incredible. And Chris, and for all of you out there, uh, Chris, we'd love to get some more information about that. So please uh, let us know and we can post that in the show notes and send that out to our people, especially when the course drops, it'll be so exciting to have people come in and see how they can take the marker so to speak, exactly. and started controlling that story. Right. I'm on brand with that one. Okay. Yay. That is all the time that we have. But before we wrap up in the spirit of the show, we always start off with one key takeaway that we either learned that we want to share with the that we learned, or that something that we thought is insightful for the audience. So as the guest, you are first. So Chris, what is one thing that you would like to share either with the audience a take away from this episode or something that you learned?
0: Well, I love the the last question around communication. And so I think just remember to do a better job listening and you can never communicate enough. And I know that gets tiring and kind of boring, but it's really true. You want to build trust? Talk more.
2: Mm, That's good. All right, Katie.
1: Mm, What did I learn today or the thing I want to share out? Um, The importance of taking a different approach to solving common and frequent pain points and challenges in an organization. And that looks like drawing. I wasn't aware of using drawing in the workplace until I started working for Chris. And man, it is such a powerful tool mm-hmm. that can really bring people on the same page. So get over your fear of not being good enough in drawing. Like, who cares if you use stick figures or star, star people? If you invite people into a conversation and use drawing as the literal common point to the common page to get people together and start to have a, com- like a conversation around the stuff that really matters to you in your business really powerful things will start to transpire in your business.
2: That's a good one. Yeah, I love that. Oh, we got to pick up your markers. Okay. (laughs) All right. So mine is
1: pick up your marker,
2: hashtag pick up your virus, spread the word. All right. Mine is uh, know what you're good at and surround yourself with people better than you. So I, I love this and I think it's so important for our audience to take this into account, especially with entrepreneurs out there that are listening to this episode. I started doing this in my business where I was actually delegating a lot of the grunt work and I've continued to keep evolving and shifting that. And one of the things I found was is like, I am really good at talking about strategy and storytelling and really helping people uh, see the forest through the trees and talk about their brand. And so for me, there are other things that I'm not that great at. And so I go and I've now found people who are supporting me in these roles And it's completely changed the way that I operate in my business. Now, for people out there, entrepreneurial wise, you might say, well, that costs money to hire people. Well, of course it does. But guess what? (laughs) Are you okay with taking maybe a little bit less profit and dealing with half the headache? Or is that $1,000 that you could pay a contractor to come in and really you know, be able to help you out with maybe 10 hours a week of work to save you the ability to also work-life integration and taking care of yourself, right? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint in building a business. And so for me, that was the one thing that I, I took away from that is from my own experiences, but also sharing with you guys that there are people out there who are experts, go find them, just use them and just get over the fact that you don't have to play hero. You don't have to be the person that does everything in your business. Sometimes it's just better for you to go sell the business and just bring in the money and let your team just thrive. So thank you again, Chris, presenting sponsor. Thank you. Loved having you on. You were amazing. That's all we have for this week's episode of Live Your Truth Now. I am Mike Ligori,
1: And I am Katie D'Andrea.
2: And we will see you next week. Maybe we'll do an episode on culture. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll talk about <laughs> markers. I don't know. No, that won't be it. But we'll see you next time. Thanks again, everybody.